Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome to a surprise episode of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. This is episode number 279. Got a sort of a special occasion here today in that we have a couple of fun conversations to bring to you. First of all, Tucker Barnhart, you know him, he's back with the Reds, and since he got back with the Reds, he's been pounding the ball. Well, the other day, he uh, talk, sat down for a little bit with our buddy Jason Linden, your friend and mine, and had a nice little chat about Reds baseball. I think this is the it's either the third or the fourth time. I probably should look that up before I started talking. Third or the fourth time that Tucker Barnhart has been on Red Leg Nation Radio. Good friend of the podcast, and we really appreciate him uh, giving us some of his time, as always. Right after the Tucker Barnhart interview, I had a conversation with Brandon Taylor. Some of you will know Brandon if you're on uh, Twitter.com. Uh, he's one of our patrons at Patreon.com slash RedLegRadio, and we had a nice little conversation about the Reds, and, and it was sort of a long-range discussion about where the Reds need to go, what they need to do from this point uh, forward. And uh, it was a fun conversation, nice guy, really a smart guy. Appreciate uh, Brandon taking some time for us. Before we get into these two things, though, got to say, these Reds, man, I don't know. They've now won two straight series, just uh, won two out of three against the Colorado Rockies. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's been like all season, frustrating. And then you can get a little optimistic because they play a little bit better. A couple of the things we discussed on the last podcast that I want to go ahead and update, which is Nick Senzel back in the lineup. So fingers crossed. You know, we were worried about him when he went out, and there was all the talk. I'm not even going to say the word, but uh, he had some dizziness. And he, they say it was allergies. I don't know, but he's back in the lineup and looks just like the same Nick Senzel, except for that part where he got uh, ejected from the game on Sunday. The other thing we discussed was Alex Wood's first start for the Cincinnati Reds. It happened this weekend, and Wood looked awfully good. Ended up giving up a couple runs, couldn't quite make it out of the fifth inning when it, once he got into the third time through the Rocky lineup. But... At times, looked very, very, very good. This was the Alex Wood that we'd been hoping to see, and it's the Alex Wood that I want the Reds to really seek to keep him around. Sign this guy to an extension, if possible, sooner rather than later. Okay, that's all I'm going to say for now. We're going to have another full edition of the podcast coming up for you later in the week. But uh, here's episode number 279 with Tucker Barnhart and our buddy Brandon Taylor. Enjoy. So, first of all, I mean, just to ask the obvious question, does it feel good to be getting back into a game? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's something that, that's been a boring boring month for me uh, as far as having to watch the games and not be able to be a part of it. Um, but it's uh, it's been good. I, um, it's helped me kind of put things in, into perspective and how much I enjoy, truly enjoy playing. And when you're not out there, you know, it, it, it sucks and you, uh, you realize – how much you do enjoy playing, whether it's uh, going well or it's going poor, or it's going poorly. It's just one of those things that we get to play a game for a living, and, and we're extremely lucky. So it put a lot into perspective for me. Yeah, I saw the interview you gave to Trent, and that was that was really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Read. It's it's it was weird. It's hard to explain. I just I tried to explain it as as well as I could to him. Um, but yeah, it just it was it's a struggle to to come to work, not necessarily. Because of the, it wasn't at all about the environment or anything of that nature. It was just like I was treating it as a job and not treating it what it is, like what it is. It's a game. I mean, obviously we get 
we, we get paid to play and we make, we make incredible livings and we're extremely lucky but at the end of the day it's it's, a, it's the same game we've played for in my case little. since I was five you yeah. know so it, it's it, it allowed me to kind of to really step back and, and, and like I said really realize how how much I enjoy and love playing yeah it's kind of you know I've got a, a little boy who's seven right now and every day daddy will you pitch to me yeah. daddy can we play baseball and it, it sounds like you're saying it's kind of like getting back to that like no doubt I mean it, it's it's hard it's hard when you're when, you, when you're struggling it's hard to to find the joy in things for sure but the, be, the better you can do that and, or the quicker you can do that you can realize that you're, you're extremely lucky and and that you are able to play a kid's game and it, it, it's turns out that it's it makes you feel a lot better than the than the alternative so just thinking about it i guess in, as i watched everything happen with the reds i think everybody everybody knows that as catchers you guys play dinged up most of the mm-hmm. season like it, we all know that that's part of the deal and everybody knows also that from time to time catchers are going to get hurt that's sure. just how it is but i don't know that i've ever <laughs> seen a situation like happened with the reds where all three guys that were already on the roster went down Stuart Turner is on the IL down here. And then, you know, Gratterall took a couple off the face last night. And, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, what does that do? Because catcher is almost like the most indispensable position on the team because you guys interact with all of the different facets. So what do you feel like that does to a team in terms of just, like, the general roster and, and, and the pitching staff, especially when there's all of a sudden just this complete turnover? Well, I think, I think mainly for the for the guys that one not as much just because one was in spring training with us but Ryan I mean you got to learn new pitchers and you got to hit the ground running there's no time for there's no time for any bit of a learning curve or anything like that because we're in a position where we've got to win we've got to win yeah. you know and and so I think what it does is it puts a little bit more pressure on the catcher to kind of Learn who that guy is out there on the mound, what he likes to do, um, and and your offense kind of takes a back seat because there's nobody else to that that the team can rely on other than you when you're back there and you're calling pitches and you're expected to 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 know what the guy needs to do and so it's, it makes it difficult puts pressure on you as a as a catcher but that's also it's it's part of the gig and it that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I thought must be the most challenging for the guys dropping in, especially, you know, say like Ryan, is, you know, maybe not so much the starting pitchers because you know who's coming and you have time to prepare for that, but it's catching the guys out of the bullpen who you haven't seen before. And, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you've got experience with that. What is what is that like when it's like you don't know who's next coming out of the pen and you're not ready? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it's like a cra- you put yourself in a crash course situation when, when you're with... Uh, with in the meetings and things like that, um, we've myself and Kurt. Uh, we've talked with with uh, with Juan and Ryan a lot. Um, and when one or the other wasn't playing in Milwaukee, uh, they would stand pretty much stand next to me and just kind of talk about the next pitcher that was coming in. So um, you try to be as as give them as much information as possible, but also you try not to complicate it. Because at the end of the day, you got to go out there and kind of see see the game and and call what you think needs to be called. But but the learning curve is is quick, um, and it's just it's it's hard for sure. Thank you. That's good. Um, 
early in the season, uh, you know, you got questions about the pitch framing stuff, and it came out that nobody just had ever worked with you on it or not or before. And I was looking at the numbers before I came out here. I kind of already knew this, but, you know, check just to make sure. And since you've started working on it, your numbers are some of the best in the league right now, which tells you that there probably is something to it, right? If you go from not knowing about it to huge improvement as soon as you do. Um, but one of the things I was curious about is how do you feel about the fact that pitch framing matters like that? Well, I, I, I like it a lot. I think it, it's, it's, it's a different asset of my game that I think is starting to get better. Um, and it's, it's helped, helped us as, uh, as a team get better, helped our pitching staff. Um, it's been a good challenge. It's been, like I said, like you said, and to your point, it's, it was something that I worked on a little bit, but I, I worked on everything else a lot more, throwing the bases, blocking pitches, things like that. Um, so it kind of took, it took a back seat. It took a back seat to my, uh, to the pitch framing. But now that I've started to, started to add that piece into my game a little bit, I think it's rounded me out as a catcher and, and made me value, me more valuable to our team and it's helped our team out a lot, a lot, uh, is, a lot more. Is it something you've noticed behind the plate, like sometimes getting calls that you wouldn't have gotten before? Yeah, I, I, I do. I think it's just something that I've, I've started just – I can tell when I catch a ball the right way as opposed to the wrong way, I guess. This yeah. is basically the the nuts and bolts of it. Um, but it's it's definitely – it's been fun. I, I've enjoyed it and it's just – it's been nice to – refreshing to, to to become to become better and, and, and see see the benefits of, of all the work that we put in. How has it felt this year on the team? You know, you kind of came up right at the very end of that last run of really competitive teams. And this year, I, even though obviously the team isn't where you'd want them to be right now, there definitely have been stretches where it's like people had to pay attention to the Reds in a way they maybe didn't before. How does that, how has that felt different for you compared to other seasons? Well, it's definitely. I mean, it's definitely different in the sense that that I feel like that even though we are our record is what it is, like we're still not out of the division by any means. I think we play we play the Cubs well, we play the Brewers well. Um, the hurdle is kind of got to be is is going to be the Cardinals um, just getting playing them a little bit better. But it, it's different in the sense that truly feel like going into August we're not out of the out of the race by any means and it it makes every game feel like it is sort of a playoff game and uh, it's been a lot of fun I mean the environment's great it's it's a great uh, great place to come and play uh, David has done a fantastic job with the clubhouse um, letting guys be themselves and and still challenging us to, to get better and, and to get better as a team and but it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, um, and we just we just expect to win. And when it, we've we've swung the bats better of late, um, and our our pitching has been good all year. So I, I just think that the wins are going to start coming. Um, something else that I think is kind of interesting about your situation and, and where things are now is that there are a pretty big chunk of the pitching staff in the majors right now are guys where they came up mostly or entirely through the red system and you you have basically been their primary catcher their entire time in the major leagues and i wondered if i could get your comments on what you've seen out of some of those guys and how they've progressed like you know for instance start with say robert stevenson who 
his results initially in the major leagues compared to now are night and day. Yeah, I think with with all those guys, they just learned who they are as major league pitchers, and I think Robert specifically, who, who is a his, he's got a very good slider, and he's gone away from trying to stuff the fastball down guys' throats because he's been he's just been better with the slider. So it just guys are just that's just an example, but guys are just learning who they are as pitchers. They've seen they're seeing themselves have success, and when you see yourself have success, I think it's just something that it just kind of snowballs into something really good. So him specifically, Sal Romano is back up. Um, he had a really good outing the other night in Milwaukee. Um, Cody, Cody's hurt, Cody's right, now, hurt right now, but when he's been up this year, he's he's pitched well. Um, just learning who they who guys are as pitchers, and it's just it's been fun. You know, it's 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 rewarding for me to see just because I have caught these guys so much, not just at the big league level, but in in the minor leagues as well. And you feel a part of it when when they have success, and you feel a part of it when they have failure just too because you we we as catchers I mean obviously we want nothing but the best for the guy that's out there on the mound but it's just sometimes it doesn't go that way and you feel like you're you're a part of it and you you don't hurt to the point that that I'm sure that the pitcher does but you still feel that 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 bit of anxiety when they don't succeed and and kind of staying on that topic how does your I guess interaction or your relationship with guys change say you know when they're first coming up versus when they become established you could talk about Castillo uh, Mally's probably getting to the point of being considered established now like how do, how do those relationships change I wouldn't say they change really to be honest with you at all I think they evolve I think they evolve into something that that when like you've been around you've been around the guy so much you can as as he's learning what kind of pitcher he is, you're learning what kind of pitcher he is as well, and you learn when he's going well what his what his mechanics are like. You, when he's going poorly, you see what his mechanics are like. So you kind of you know, they evolve into something like you can be a pitching coach within a, a pitching coach, I guess. Yeah. Under the pitching coach, so you can go out to the mound and say, "Hey, man, this is what we're doing. Let's get back on track and we go." As opposed to the pitching coach having to come out. And uh, and making an adjustment that way. So it's 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 not that it's not that they change. Uh, I think they they st- you you still have the guys that you know what kind of personalities you have. Whether you're he's a guy that I can go out there and get on get on him when he's not doing well, and that locks him in. Or if you 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 go out there and there's a guy that that you just you need to pat him on the butt and tell him how good he is, and, and then he goes. So I mean, just kind of the the, psycho- the psychology of being a catcher kind of. Uh, doesn't change necessarily. Um, you just you, you continue to just to learn what kind of guy you got on the mound, and, and that helps out a lot. And okay, that's great. One last question, which is a, a non-baseball question that I was just curious about. Uh, it's kind of well known that you like to eat. Uh, you haven't been in Louisville for a while, but I wondered if there was anywhere that when you're down here, you're like, oh, I want to go here. Uh, you know, for me, it's Doc Crows. I love yeah. I love Doc Crows. I think it's a very good restaurant. Um, Every time we're in Louisville, I try to try to hop in there and, and grab some barbecue. Um, but yeah, I love to eat, man. I love good food. I love to cook. So, yeah. Uh, for me, it's my, my Louisville spot that I go to. If I go to breakfast, it's uh, Wild Eggs. Yeah. Or uh, um, and if I go to dinner, most likely it's going to be Dot Crows. If you, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of tips for while you're down here. 
There are a couple of new places okay. that have opened that are really good. Yeah. There's a breakfast place um, over on Frankfurt Avenue called Conhuevos okay. that is just fantastic. And it, really? it, like I think so, and it gets great reviews okay. too. Perfect. And uh, one of my favorite places, I think probably since you were down here, the area that's called Nulu has really developed. And okay. there's a place over there called Wiltshire on Market. Okay. If you get a chance for dinner, go there. Real good. Cool. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. All right. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is Chad, and I'm here today with a very special guest, my guy Brandon Taylor. Now, Brandon, he's at BrandonTaylor11 on uh, Twitter.com. Everybody go follow follow him on there. He's a good good follow, big-time Reds fan. And Brandon's one of the big supporters, has been for a long time, of Red Leg Nation radio and of course he's been a supporter at patreon which very much we appreciate and wanted to bring brandon on and talk a little bit about the reds and and about how he became a, a big reds fan and uh brandon how are you doing today i'm doing great chad it's uh it's good to be with you i know we've been trying to connect for a while so uh been looking forward to it and glad uh, we can finally do this absolutely and it's been my uh, i've been a little bit lax in getting up with you but um who knows? Maybe it's the only time we get to do this because we've already had a pretty good conversation before we started recording here. Now we got to mention right off the top, Brandon's from Lexington, Kentucky, and you need to go ahead and tell everyone what you told me about the fact that you're from Lexington. Well, I, I was just saying that uh, you know, telling Chad uh, a little bit earlier that uh, yeah, I am from Lexington, but I'm born and raised in Kentucky. So uh, it, this is really a true Kentucky accent, which. Uh, uh, I'm sure that uh, that Jason Linden's probably jealous of. Yeah, yeah, not a transplant like a Jason. Uh, we got some, some real accents here. Excellent. So um, now, tell me, Brandon, uh, how did uh, how did the Reds become such a big part of your life? We've all got that kind of story, you know, about how it was ingrained in us growing up, and everyone's story is a little bit different, and and sometimes they're uh, pretty similar as well. How'd you become such a big Reds fan? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, with me, it was really. Um, I think like a lot of like little kids, right? I mean, it was really my family. Um, and, and I have, you know, home videos, the, like the old VHS tapes of, of the early eighties and mid eighties of me wearing a a Reds hat, right. And pretending to be Johnny Bench and, Uh and Pete Rose and Joe Morgan. And, you know, basically, uh, you know, hitting hitting the the the, the wiffle ball and stuff like that around my my grandparents' living room, um, and uh, you know, so from there, I, you know, it just it was ingrained early. Like I really had no choice but to uh, but to be a Reds fan. But I would say um, that the first year that I really followed the Reds and can and can remember it was probably the uh, the '87 season. But it was really probably already ingrained in me a few years before that. Well, 87 and onward there, that's a few years of a lot of fun, really. You know, 87, the year I think about, obviously, is uh, Eric Davis that year. That was year he was just so unbelievable. So uh, so you got to see the guy. We were talking to him some on Twitter the other day. Uh, you got to see that guy in his prime, and you kind of remember it. Uh, that's that's uh, a lot. I, I was surprised when we were talking about it, how many people didn't actually get to see Eric Davis, which makes me feel too old. But uh, that guy was amazing. Oh, I know. I mean, and, and he was my first favorite Reds player. Yeah. Um, you know, even though I was imitating some of the guys, you know, from the big red machine, uh, I didn't really get to watch them play. 
So uh, Davis really was my first uh, favorite Reds player, and that probably lasted for uh, for a couple of years. Um, but of course, Davis was the the best player, you know, right. on the Reds during that time when when I really started uh, being able to follow them. Uh, but then it really it pretty quickly became Barry Larkin. So I think Chad, we probably have that in common. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, Barry Larkin is my favorite player uh, of on the Reds all time, and and I think probably always will be. And and probably for you the same reason as I would say that about Larkin for myself. Although uh, you know Adam Dunn has uh, internet conversations some, but with Larkin it was just here's this guy that from Cincinnati. He uh, came up with Cincinnati, and we got to watch his whole career. And I think that's what is special for us. He's the Hall of Fame guy that we got to watch his entire career for the Reds, and and that's why he's special to me. And I think you probably have a similar similar story. Yep, absolutely. I mean, uh, got to watch him come up as as a young player and and follow his whole career, and then and then the other reason, just from a you know performance standpoint, um, I I don't know, Chad. Tell me if you disagree with this, but I I really think in my lifetime, Larkin is easily the best player overall that the Reds have had. I think Joey Votto is probably the best hitter that they've had. But when you're talking about an overall player, and, and you're you're really talking about everything there, right? You're talking about hitting, you're talking about defense, your base running. Um, Larkin really didn't have a weakness. He really did everything at a high level. And the one thing that I always loved about Larkin, um, even when when I was young, it was it was pretty clear to see. You know, Larkin seemed to always get the job done, right? And and I think that's something that you've mentioned before. But Larkin was the type of player that if he needed to move the runner over, he was going to move the runner over. If he needed to to drive in the run, he could drive in the run. But Larkin really did everything at a high level. So I think in my lifetime, at least, I don't think there's any debate. I believe Larkin is the best Reds player overall the most complete player uh, yes is a, a way to put it absolutely i would agree it's between him and probably i don't know what do you think d'angelo jimenez maybe <laughs> no maybe yeah, not. that maybe one's not. close <laughs> close I mean, close but i give the edge to lark maybe you're right in terms of larkin you know he hit high, uh, at the top of the order he could drive in runs in the middle of the order he with power you know he and of course uh he had at least three gold gloves stolen from him defensively by ozzy smith who mm-hmm. was aging at the time and sort of coasting on reputation great fielder obviously a hall of famer but uh early in larkin's career he kind of got put behind behind ozzy but yeah i, I would agree with that 100 uh, percent. and it, you're gonna have to uh be ready to argue if you want to criticize barry larkin in my presence because he's just he he was the franchise for so long and for some of us you know uh, you and i we don't remember the big red machine other than just the people around us talking about the big red machine really and so that 1990 series theme yeah. You know, Larkin and Davis, that was their team. And, and so uh, he's, he's really just uh, inner circle in terms of the most special Reds players ever. And in our lifetime, it's him and Votto probably just as the two clear-cut best players uh, since we've been watching. Absolutely. And you know one thing I always loved about Larkin, too, is if you go back and, and look at the, the 95 you know, NLCS uh, with the Braves, right? And the Braves had that awesome pitching staff that season, and and it was probably the best Braves team of the '90s, and that's saying something. But but Larkin's numbers, I believe, he hit 300 in that series, and the rest of the team, I, it's it, I, I can't 
you know, recall offhand, but it was something abysmal. It's like the rest of the team hit 125 and Barry Larkin hit 300. Yeah, that that one series has been the reason that Reggie Sanders not in the Reds Hall of Fame today, which is unforgivable to me, uh, because he was he was not great in that series and people hold it against him. But but Larkin, you know, you're right. He performed, and that team it really could have uh, sort of uh, uh, created a, even more of a reputation for Larkin. Because that was a really really good team, an underrated team, I think, in Reds history, and so underrated we wrote about it in our book. Um, the Big 50. Sorry, I had to do that. But, uh, you know, I, that was a great and a fun team. And, man, coming off of 1990, you get a World Series, and then you get that 95 where they're as good as anyone in the league, even though they got pounded by the Braves in that series. But you're thinking at that time, man, this is, you know, this is being a Reds fan is not so bad. <laughs> and no, then, <laughs> I, I, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, I hate I hate to bring this up, but uh, – that that also is the last time that the Reds won a, a playoff series. Yeah, good times, good times. <laughs> right, <laughs> but you know they did. They to your point, that that was a great team. They just happened to run in. You know, the Braves really had kind of a dynasty going in the nineties, and that may have been the best Braves team of, yeah. of all. So it was really a lot of bad. Bad luck, kind of bad timing here for the Reds. It was, it was. It wasn't like they, you know, lost to a, a terrible team. But, but when that season ends, you know, we at least I was thinking, all right, you know, this it's been pretty fun to be a Reds fan for the last uh, decade or so, and that's going to continue forever, right? And then, of course, you know, there's been a good season here and there. '99, of course, uh, pops out in the little run in 2010 to 2013, but been kind of miserable all that time. But you've stuck with this bunch for some reason. I have. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, one thing that, 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 that has helped me at least is that, uh, one of my best friends is a big Cubs fan. Ooh. Right. So, um, it, well, at le- here's the good thing about that though. Um, even though the Cubs are, you know, through, uh, they're in the midst of, of one of their, you know, best windows right now, uh, the Cubs historically have, have been, um, probably worse than the Reds. Sure. Right. So I'm not surrounded by, you know, I'm surrounded by Reds fans basically and one Cubs fan. Uh, so it's, it's pretty easy to, in that case, to, to, you know, to just stick with them. Um, and you're right. For most of the time, Cubs fans haven't had anything they could say to you anyway. So, uh, uh yeah. very recently, but yeah, no, exactly right. Because you just pour up, you know, you pull up the, uh, the historical data and, yeah, I mean the Reds are 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 not the the Yankees, but they've been just as good as uh, most other teams. Now we've talked about favorite players, and we've talked about uh, things going back to when you first became a Reds fan. Let's focus a little bit on the current team because we have some things I want to talk about and discuss with respect to this team. But before we do that, who's your favorite player on this team on the current Reds team? Let, let's eliminate Joey Votto. Other than Joey Votto, who's your favorite player on this Reds team? Oh, I think um, hmm, I mean. I think it probably has to be Suarez. Yes. Um, you know, not only is he the best hitter on the team currently, uh, he just has a lot of personality, right? I mean, he's fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and this team has a lot of fun guys. But but Suarez is definitely one of them. And then, uh, you know, just to add to that, he's probably the best hitter on the team too. So, uh, you know, I, I like Suarez a lot. Absolutely, and I said last night that I, I really feel like Suarez is going to be 
he's going to end up being one of the most popular players for a, you know, a generation or two of, of Reds fans, just because he, he does have that personality and just a, a guy that likes to have fun, always smiling, but, but also he can play. And so uh, love me some Suarez. Now, uh, this year's Reds, not going so well lately. Uh, right now, 45 and 53 as we record this last place, once again, in the National League Central. And there's been some discussion now. We're getting close to the trade deadline. And what do the Reds do? They're saying they may be still be in the mix. Uh, they may still be buyers. We've had that discussion on the podcast, obviously, before. But you had an interesting way to frame a lot of the discussion about the Reds now until next season, what they need to do to be in the uh, in the mix, and, and I'll let you go ahead and frame that question. And I really want to hear what your your answer is in terms of what what does it mean for the Reds to be all in? Sure, um, yeah, I, I, I want to do that. But but first, when we're, when we're discussing this team, let me ask you this question, Chad. I'm I'm curious to hear sure. your answer on this. Can you think of a team that's been more fun and more frustrating at the same time? than this version of the Cincinnati Reds. Well, you know, never a dull moment is what I say. No, you're right. I don't. I mean, a lot of times these last few years when they've just been bad, they've just been dull. I mean, we've had Joey Votto to watch and, you know, Suarez here recently, but just bad pitching and really just not fun to watch often. This year, even though they're still last place, uh, they and, you know, the record is similar to what it was this time last year, I just – there's so many fun guys on this team – and, you know, uh, we actually have pitching now, so every day you kind of expect that they're going to be in the game. So they're competitive, hence all the one-run losses. But I think you're absolutely right. It's a great way to frame it, which is that uh, it is equally fun and uh, frustrating. And some of that frustration comes from the fact that because they're more competitive, the games are closer. And, and I think we talked about that on a recent uh, podcast. And so that's frustrating to lose some of those games. But they're just a hair from being a really good team, and I can't figure out – I can't figure out what the what the difference is. What what switch needs to be flipped? I guess. Right. I think um, the difference in this team compared to the last uh, four or five teams is that this team is really not a bad team, but they're not a good team either. So they are somewhere stuck right in the middle, and uh, and I think that that's where some of the frustration comes from. You know the. During this, I, I hate to use the dirty word, you know, rebuild, but during this rebuild of the, of the last four or five years, um, the expectation hasn't been there with the team. You know, I mean, you can always hope for a miracle, but realistically, the expectation is that that team is going to probably be upper 60s, you know, to 70 wins. You know, this this team was the first one coming, you know, starting to come out of this rebuild where um, the expectation's a little different and you, you know, you really don't know, but this team really has been kind of stuck right in the middle. I don't think that you can call them a good team, but I don't think you can call them a bad team either. Uh, you know, despite their, their record being under 500. So, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Much, and, much more fun and much better. Regardless of what the yeah. record is, much better than the teams we've been watching the last few years. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the with the pitching, um, you know, the pitching, just keeping them uh, in the ball games, Right. Uh, that's one aspect of it is is that they are in the game almost every night. 
And then the other aspect I think that's made it made it more fun is that uh, uh, that this team just has a lot of personality on it too. You know, bringing in guys like uh, Iglesias and, and Dietrich and, and certainly Puig, uh, that the team has a lot of personality. I mean, you know, they, they might be losing out there, but uh, but the team's having a lot of fun, and I think they have a lot of guys on the team that that you want to root for. Is it a measure, though, of how much we've been beaten down as Reds fans that we're pretty happy with a team that's a little bit better, but just, you know, fun to watch, good personalities? Sometimes I wonder if maybe that's just a function of us being hammered in the head so much with this team the last few years. I think I think it is. I think it absolutely is. But at the same time, uh, this is about what I expected for this season. And this kind of is, is you know, a good segue to, to the question that I wanted to ask you. But I, I also think it is a product of us being beaten down that we're that we can find enjoyment in this team. However, really, the question I think lies in what they do in this co- upcoming offseason. Yeah, this is, this is um, okay for now, but at some point, it's going to have to translate into some wins. It it really is. It really is. So so the the question that that I had uh, wanted to ask you was I think that, that most uh, fans can agree that the Reds sort of took a, a, a halfway-in approach to this season. They, they definitely took steps toward improving the team, but I think most people did feel like, and, and I know, you know, my thought on this team going into the season was I predicted about 80 wins for them. I was in the, the, the 79 to 80 win range, so I thought they would be, right about 500. Um, and I thought, well, if things really break right for them, then they might be a little over 500, you know, maybe 83 to 85 wins. This upcoming season, you know, what would be the all-in approach? So if that was the halfway-in approach, is improving the roster to the point where you're 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 realistically thinking or hoping that you can be around 500. Well, what is the all-in approach that you go into the season thinking, okay, well, now I, I expect them to win 80-some games, and if things break right, they might win over 90, uh, that, that type of uh, expectation. So I'll give you mine first, My what I think given what we know right now. Obviously, this might change given the trade deadline. Uh, or, or maybe things might change in the last two months of the season that would, you know, alter our answer here. But given what we know right now, my all-in approach for the Reds between now and next season is I think they need two offensive upgrades. Um, I think with Sinzel in center, uh, and Sinzel can play second, you combine those positions into one, so you have center field, second base. You have shortstop, you have left field, you have catcher. So now, now this is an assumption too that you resign Puig, which obviously is a huge assumption. The Reds may not resign Puig, even though, you know, I know that I would like them to. I know Chad that you would like them to. Absolutely. But, but assuming that the Reds resigned Puig, I think they need two offensive upgrades out of catcher, short, left, or center slash second. I think they need two guys there that they can reasonably expect 
to upgrade those positions and reasonably expect those players to be above league average offensively. Then I think they need one probably starting pitcher to replace Roark. So when I say starting pitcher, I'm not I'm not talking about an ace type. I'm not talking about a guy that you would probably slot into to, to a fifth starter. Someone sort of right in the middle of the rotation, much like Roark was uh, last offseason. I think they will need to probably look outside the organization to replace Roark. Um, you know, in, in, in Chad, you know, maybe maybe one guy that could do that is Alex Wood. You know, if That's you re-sign Alex Wood, mention, yes, yeah, right. If you re-sign Alex Wood because uh, for for a cheap cheaper contract because he hasn't been able to pitch this year, uh, he might be the perfect candidate for that. But I think you need one pitcher uh, to replace Roark, and you probably need one or two tweaks in the bullpen uh, relievers that, that 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 you either trade for or sign that could hopefully be late inning guys, you know, high, high leverage type guys. But to me, that is the Reds all in approach. So it would be two offensive upgrades, one starting pitcher, and then uh, at least one or two tweaks to the bullpen. Uh, Now that's assuming that you re-sign Puig. If you don't re-sign Puig, then I think the conversation changes and you're probably looking at uh, three uh, position player changes. And this is what I mean when I say all in approach, an approach that would give Reds fans, you know, realistic hope coming, going into next season to, uh, to actually field a playoff team. I and like I've it. been curious to, to, yeah, to see at this point right now, Chad, what is your all in approach? Okay. And I love, I love the way this question is framed because essentially coming into this season, I think the way we put it is the Reds were in, they weren't all in, but they were in. They were trying to make the team better. You know, if they were really, truly trying to win as many games as they could this year, obviously Sinzel would have been here on opening day. That's a conversation we've had a million times that we don't need to rehash. So they've not been all in on winning games at the big league level in many years here in Cincinnati. So uh, we've been kind of under the assumption that they would be all in this coming winter and or between now and, and next uh, March, April. So what do they need to do? I think that it begins, as you said, I think you start right now with going all out to sign Yasiel Puig and Alex Wood to contract extensions. I don't know what the numbers are going to look like on those. I know the Reds are going to have a bunch of money coming off the uh, the payroll books this coming season. They're going to have some money to play with, and some of that needs to be spent, especially on Yasiel Puig, because the way you kind of framed it as assuming that Puig was, was signed I think he's the key in a lot of ways to how the Reds approach everything else. Now, I still don't know if they're going to be able to. I've been saying for months that I, I just get the feeling from the things he said, uh, you know, and, and nothing he said specifically, just, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much between the lines, but I just see him wanting to test the free agent market. But if I'm the Reds, I'm going all out to try to sign him to a contract extension. If they can, good. If they can't, well, you deal with that at that point. But, uh, I like him, and I still like Alex Wood. I know he's not pitching inning for the Reds, but I think he, go look at his career. He is a legitimate pitcher now, and maybe even a number two at his best. But he would absolutely be a, a great number three slotted behind Castillo and Sonny Gray. So then you're in the, you're in decent shape, but you're kind of where you were going into this season. 
And before we start talking specifics, I think we have to say that all in, to me, is going to mean that the Reds have to be willing to open the checkbook, and there aren't a ton of great free agents that are going to be available. Puig's probably going to be the best available free agent hitter. That's why they need to go need to keep him in town. Um, pitchers, Garrett Cole is going to be a free agent. Uh, that's a guy that I would go and break the bank for if I were the Reds. We say they don't need to go out and get an ace type, but if you can get an ace type without trading for him, then you know I say I say go do it. So, but they need to be willing to spend in free agency, whether it be on a Garrett Cole at the top of the level or you know lower levels to fill some of these other positions that we have needs at, including the bullpen. You know the Reds went out a couple years ago and made a specific uh, concerted effort to get a couple of ground ball pitchers in Jared Hughes and David Hernandez, and until recently, um, when Hernandez kind of, his arm fell off, that, that those have been pretty good signings. They're going to have to look to do things like that. Now, in terms of which specific positions they need to target, they do need one starting pitcher at least. Uh, they're going to have to fix the bullpen, but that can be done kind of cheaply uh, or, or with trades. I like the way uh, second base center field, you got to go out, I think you got to go out and try to find the best available guy that you can get at either one of those. And that's probably going to be via trade. And that's the other part of this. They're going to be willing to spend, number one. Number two, they need to be willing to trade anyone they've got. That includes, no one wants to hear it, but Taylor Trammell and Jonathan India and Hunter Green, if he has any value right now. The Reds need to be willing to trade every single player in the organization if it makes the team better for next year. Um, Jason Lennon, we're just talking about him, and, and Wick Terrell over at the Red Report, they keep suggesting Francisco Lindor, who I don't know if he's even available. But you get him. You give whoever give up whoever they want for him essentially. No, Chad, you're right, and 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 I apologize for interrupting you for a second, but I want to give you a little credit. I I know that you were a, a huge advocate of of the Reds trading before last season for Christian Yelich, and the 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 fact is is that if the Reds had traded for Christian Yelich, then it would have been a good trade. Really, I don't care who they gave up. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the way I look at it with Lindor. They'd only have him for two more years if they could trade for a guy like that. But the the you know the wins above replacement, the value he will provide in those two years, I, would, I wouldn't bet the ranch on it, but I would not be surprised if that would be more value than you'll ever get from Ted Tremell on, on the big league level. Now, maybe Tremell comes up as a star, but at this point, he's barely gotten out of single A, and he's not really done very well at double A so far in his first taste of that. So, yeah, I mean, I think you trade those guys. If they come back to bite you, okay, whatever. But if you can get a guy like Christian Yelich, you get a guy like Francisco Lindor, you get someone that you know is going to help your big league team, I don't know. Prospects are, you know, they're good in two ways. Number one, they come up and play well for you. Or number two, they help you bring in other players. And uh, the Reds can't be unwilling to trade those guys. And they have been in the past. Absolutely. That's actually one of my my, my biggest concerns with the Reds is are are they going to be unwilling to trade top prospects to get a player that they're going to need at some point to push them over the hump? Yeah. Um, and, be, and just because of what you just said, they just haven't shown me yet that they're willing to do it. Maybe they are. But it's my concern because they haven't proven yet that they are willing to do it. Yeah, I, I think I'd be shopping India and uh, Tremel everywhere. And it's not because I don't like those guys. I think they both have a really good chance of being really good Major League players. But at this point, I want somebody that can help us in 2020. And neither one of those guys 
are going through 2020 and 2021. I, yeah, I want guys that are going to help us now. So that, that's what I would do. But I think in terms of what it's all in look for, I think we need to see, are, are the Whit Reds going to be willing to trade those guys? Are they going to be willing to trade the upper crust of the prospect uh, list? And are they going to be willing to spend, spend some money? Uh, I don't want to hear about the Reds are small market and they get out, they're going to get outspent by someone else. At some point, this is a professional baseball franchise and they have to be willing to compete with other professional baseball franchises for good players. So don't get outbid on Yasiel Puig. You know, don't uh, get outbid on whatever mid-level rotation guy you're targeting. Uh, just show me that you're serious. And we've really not seen the Reds be serious in a long, long time. I don't even know when we could target the saying the Reds were actually serious about about trying to put a winner on the field. I guess six years ago, seven years ago. Uh, you know, yeah, but you, you you could even argue that the the answer to that is is nineteen you know ninety nine, um, yeah. is 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 really the last time I feel like the Reds were were very aggressive. They just had a goofball um, running the organization at that time that didn't know what he was doing uh, in the other areas, <laughs> but he did go out and get a pretty good player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, that that is my my one concern because um, you know uh, the fact of the matter is, Chad, if if the Reds had had listened to you a year and a half ago, you know, I mean, I just it, I wonder how good even this version of the 2019 Reds would be if they had Christian Yelich. Imagine Yelich, you know, still, still keep him in center field, and so now you got Senzel at second base. How how much different does this lineup look right now? I mean, this is probably a playoff team with just that one addition. It, it probably is. It, it really probably is. And the Reds could have put together a package uh, to get Yelich that didn't that didn't even include Senzel, but it would have cost them a lot of other uh, top prospects, certainly. But uh, but really, what it what it probably would have cost them um, is a lot of guys that are not helping the Reds this year anyway. Yeah, yeah, guys who may end up being good, and you know the Marlins may turn around and have some, uh, you know, get some great value out of some of those guys. Probably will, but because the Brewers did give up quite a bit for Yelich, but what what did the Brewers get out of it? You know, a middle of the order hitter and a guy that is a, a positive contributor for a number of years at a reasonable cost. I don't know. I just I'm willing to trade anybody on the major or minor league roster, but especially minor league prospects at just about any time. Uh, Sinzel, I didn't want to trade this last offseason because he was the one kid, uh, one prospect who I could see actually contributing on the big league level this year. So I, I wouldn't call him untouchable, but I've been very hesitant to trade him. But anyone else, if, if you're not going to be able to help us next year, uh, you know, let's get somebody that can because it's time to start winning. I just, I'm, I'm tired of the uh, of the losing. Now, let me, I want to ask you this because I've thought about this, haven't really talked about it much on the podcast or, or elsewhere. What happens? In your brain, as a Reds fan, how are you going to feel if the, if the Reds just kind of tiptoe through the winter and don't really go all in, but before before twenty twenty, how are you going to feel? Well, I was close to the brink, I think late uh, <laughs> late last summer, um, of being just completely apathetic uh, toward them and what they did this past off season, while I did not think it was enough, you know, to actually push them into the playoffs. And it looks like that is in fact the case. Um, I did think it was enough and steps in the right direction that for me, 
um, is in terms of being really invested, it bought me one more year. Mm -hmm. Um, but if they do what you described and and sort of go in with what we might call a, a halfway in approach again into next season, then, uh, you know, I'm still going to be a Reds fan and I'm still going to root for them, but am I going to be engaged daily, uh, to the point that, that I have been, you know, I don't know because I, I have gotten tired. I think probably like a lot of Reds fans and, uh, you know, maybe like yourself too. I mean, you know, it is, um, it's, it's hard to, to really kind of be, uh, invested into a team that, uh, is just losing year after year. Um, so I, I think that, that what they did this past winter for me personally, it, it bought me or, you know, another year and, but I want to see that next step this winter before we go to spring training. Um, and if, and if not, I, you know, I think like, like I was saying, I will follow them, but will I go to as many games, you know, will I be as invested into it daily as, as I have been? You know, probably not. This is a fascinating thing to me, just because, uh, you know, do you hear what you're saying? And I hope the Reds hear what we're saying. You and I have been fans of the Reds since before we really even knew what the Reds were. You know, we were we were immersed in it. Uh, it was uh, it was not really a choice. It was just part of uh, growing up. And uh, we followed the Reds uh, as close as anyone uh, to almost to the level of obsession. And it's finally gotten to the point where I'm the same way. If, if they don't really show me a real effort, I'm going to be like, you know, it's not that I'm going to be, I'm going to hate them or I'm going to be angry about it because baseball to me is supposed to be fun. It's a diversion and I like watching it, but I've got, other, I've got other things I can do with my time if they're not going to be serious about putting a winner on the field because, uh, because I don't think feel like they have been lately. And I just, I'm going to, it's going to be apathetic as the absolute correct one. We're like, well, okay, whatever, you know, I'll tune in if I'm not doing anything else or you know, I may turn the game on in the background, but, uh, you know, it's maybe it's a little different for me because I have to talk about this, the team every week, and maybe maybe I won't want to do that at that point. I don't know, um, but uh, it's just a it's a situation where I've se- talked to so many long time hardcore dedicated fans who've just spent their lives around this team that are just not angry about the way things are are being managed in Cincinnati, but just kind of like I'm just tired of it. You know, I, I got other things I can do with my life than, you know, waste time getting obsessed about a team that really doesn't truly care about whether or not we're happy, you know? So yeah, I, well, I, I, sh- I share your feelings. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, the, the Reds right now, I mean, and they, they really never have and, and never will, you know, I don't get angry. You know, if the Reds win or lose, it, it doesn't, uh, um, you know, I try not to let that affect my mood or my life. Right. I mean that, you know, it's but, just baseball. Uh, it's just baseball. That's exactly right. But at the same time, I, I do care. Right. So I, you know, I, I'm at, you know, I, I, I've always been, and, I, and I'm at some level in between, um, you know, obsessive to the point of anger and 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 apathy. But um, you know, because you know, you do care, but uh, it wears on you. It does wear on you. So you know, if if the if the losing seasons continue. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I agree with, with what you said. I could see myself being the type of fan that, yeah, I tune in if not really nothing else is going on, but, uh, and I might catch, you know, most of the box scores, but really, you know, that would be, be about it because, uh, um, it is hard, you know, it's hard, it's hard to stick with them 
what is this, about five straight seasons now of, of last place, right? So, yeah, thanks for reminding me. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Chad? If, 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 we, uh, if, if we're going to you know, close with anything, I did want to say this, you know, the Reds are, the Reds have, you know, the Reds haven't been easy to, to follow closely the the last few years. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to say this, uh, to you. So one of the reasons that, that I wanted to, to support your podcast is because, you know, you and, uh, and, and the, and the other guys that, uh, that certainly contribute a lot to this as well, you know, Jason and, and, and Bill and, and Doug, um, you know, I, it's not been the easiest thing to do, especially with this team. Um, and, and I know that, uh, that, you know, it's, it's not a money thing, you know, you're certainly not doing what you do for, for money. Uh, so, but it's, uh, the content and the entertainment that, that you provide with it. You know, I know I enjoy it a lot and I'm sure that a lot of other people do. So that's the the main reason that that I wanted to to support you, and and also just to uh, you know personally uh, to also say you know thank you uh, because you know I really enjoy it and uh, and it's it's not been the easiest thing to do you know to talk about the Reds every week the last few years. Well, I do appreciate that, and I absolutely appreciate your support unquestionably, and uh, I think you're hitting on something that uh, I was going to actually mention, which is just that. Uh, it has been a difficult time, but this dumb little podcast that we do, you know, w- what I have discovered over the last few years doing this podcast is that there's this community of people who are really passionate about this team and really do care about this team, but even when, and, and are going to be following this team, but even when it's going bad, we want to have some fun with it. And that's something we've always tried to do with the podcast It's just, you know, sometimes we get irritated with the res, but we're usually trying to have some fun with it because baseball is uh, supposed to be a diversion. It's supposed to be fun. And, um, and I feel like what we found is a little community around this podcast that just surprised me. Uh, we started to see a lot of it with the, with the website, obviously, but when this podcast is sort of a unique thing of people who just, uh, I don't know, I've got a kick out of the people who just, just want to have some fun with this team. It's a, it's baseball's fun. This team is inter- interesting, always entertaining sometimes, but, uh, so I appreciate you and everybody like that supports the podcast, whether at you know Patreon or just uh, by downloading, listening, and sending us questions, things like that. So, um, so I, I do appreciate that. Now I do have one final question for you. Sure. Where do you stand on the, this debate? Is it viewer mail or is it listener mail? Oh, that's that's an easy one. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It's viewer mail. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Another David Letterman fan, I take it. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. Brandon, man, this has been a blast. i really, really glad we finally got around. Sorry it took me so long to get, to get this done, but thank you so much for coming on and talking, and uh, this, is, this has been fun to have an actual Kentuckian on here. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. A, a, a true Kentuckian uh, with, with the true accent to go along. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so all of our viewers out there, if you're on Twitter, go, uh, go give Brandon a follow, at BrandonTaylor11 on Twitter, and of course, we're at Red Leg Radio. Um, Thank you so much. Yep, thanks, Chad. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app, and join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.